Hi, I'm Laura Brady, CEO of Concierge Auctions. And hi, I'm Chad Roffers, Chairman of Concierge Auctions. And this is Block Talk. My name is Charlie Smith. I'm in charge of uh, Concierge Auctions in the EMEA market. So being very active uh, now over the last 13 years, five years in the EMEA market, we've sold over three billion euros in sales in our time, 29 different countries. We've invested something like 20 million euros in our database. It's one of our our most important assets, comprising now 680,000 contacts, 100,000 weekly subscribers, and 10,000 people on what we call our private client group, which includes 275 documented billionaires. Our database is very, very important to us when we're going out into these markets to try and find buyers. We provide an accelerated real estate sales solution uh, for sellers. We work for the seller, but we deliver sellers market price. Just by the sheer volume of the interest that we generate in our clients' properties, we know we deliver market price. For buyers, we provide a transparent platform, transparent environment for people to bid away, knowing that they're going to pay the price that is comfortable to them with support of other people bidding around them. So just very quickly, how we operate, we're broker friendly. We always work with real estate brokers. We've never indeed done a sale without a real estate broker partner. We're not a disruptor business in that way. We are changing the way real estate is traded, but we work with brokers. They're really, really important part of our our setup. I think we're going to certainly see some very interesting opinions from our broker friends. So let's first of all just introduce everybody to the the panel. My name is Charlie Smith, the EMEA uh, advisor. I run the business in the region. And then we've got two brokers with us, successfully worked with us before. We'll let them introduce us to themselves. Just give us a few minutes. First of all, we have Alex Richardson from Black Book Ibiza um, in Ibiza in Spain. Alex, introduce yourself. Yeah, hi. Um, of course, Alex Richardson from Black Book Ibiza. I'm the owner and founder of uh, Black Book Ibiza. We set up in Ibiza in June 2013. Um, yeah, doing real estate solely across Ibiza. Um, we've got a fast way of great properties that we're pushing out to buyers um, on island and off island, on island and off islands. Fantastic. Thanks, Alex. We'll get into that a little bit more. And Montana Wilson from Javier James Real Estate in Mallorca. Uh, uh, Montana, nice to see you. Please introduce yourself. Nice to see you all. So I'm Montana. I'm the managing partner of Javier James Luxury Real Estate in Mallorca. And I am the listing agent on Villa Sunset Frontline Property um here on the island so ah. we focus mainly yeah we're mainly on this island Mallorca and it's certainly busy enough for us to stay focused here so yeah great to be here with all you guys thanks Montana we'll get into talk about that a little bit more in your market as well I mean it's a really really hot island no pun intended but Mallorca I think is probably up there as one of the sort of hottest real estate markets at the moment and then from our team, we have Adam Morehouse. Adam is uh, runs business development as also, also as well as project sales um, uh, across Europe. Adam, please introduce yourself. Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Adam Morehouse. I've been working uh, with Concierge along with Charlie for the last three and a half years um, in various lovely places, Portugal, uh, Dubai, Spain, Ibiza, uh, France. And this is our second auction in Ibiza. I haven't worked with Alex before the previous one successfully. Good man, thanks very much. And our honorary European friend, Mitch Abundis. Mitch, introduce yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Mitch Abundis. Um, I've been with the company for about three years. 
and I'm a project sales manager uh, in Europe, uh, United States, and Mexico. Happy to be here. Good man, Mitch. Well done. Thanks very much all for coming. I think I just want to go straight into really what's going on in the market, in the upper end of the market in Spain. I know we've got representation from the island, but we also have been active down on the south coast, so we do need to talk a little bit more about that. But it, it strikes me that the, the, the Spanish real estate market, I know we all hit highs in the mid-2000s. We know what happened towards the end of the year with the world financial crisis that brought the prices down. But just let's start with you, Montana. How have you seen really the market change, let's say, over the last 12 months? Let's try and avoid just for the moment talking about the word COVID. Let's just put that to one side. We're going to talk about it. Absolutely. But let's just see what you think has been going on in the market, say, over the last 12 months, to say the last 24 months, to say for the last sort of five years. How is the market, the top end of the market, how's it changed? What's the dynamics that have changed that you've seen? Montero, you're on mute. Hello? Hi, there we go. You've got, we've got you back. Sorry, Montana. Well done. No problem. Um, I would say that the luxury sector especially never really suffers from fluctuations. You never really see a huge, definitely never a huge low in the luxury sector. It just seems to be growing and growing, especially in Spain. I think, you know, Mallorca is not very comparable um, or the islands aren't comparable as a general for the whole of Spain. But certainly the islands, uh, the market's been growing and growing and growing the last year, two years, five years. Um, we never tend to see a dip in the market at all here, uh, no matter what crises. Um, yeah, won't mention any specific ones. Um, but we feel like yeah. more, and more, foreign, more and more foreign investment each year, um, especially on this island. You know, a few years ago, big deals, say anything past a million were clusters. Oh, wow. And now people are selling, you know, properties for in the 10s, 15s, 20s every year as if it's nothing, you know, like, you know, the market just gets more and more luxurious. Um, and with the foreign investment and more and more people coming in to buy, it means the properties become more expensive, more luxurious, more designer, more fashionable. So you never really tend to see, you know, especially in Mallorca, these dips because it just becomes more of a sought after area, especially with it being on an, an island that can't expand you can't there's no more coastline for frontline properties there's no more space so you can't really grow anymore so it just kind of here on the island we notice that it just grows and grows and grows and of course the spanish you know traditionally had a lot of what we would say that kind of fly and flop tourists right i mean it had those sort of resorts on the island which i think the spanish authorities have worked quite hard to improve, like we've seen down in Tenerife, you know, some of the Canary Islands, where the embargo now on 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 anything less than a five star hotel or four star hotel, right? So they're really trying to aim the island at a higher echelon of of of, uh, of customer, you know, if you like. Is is that if you, you've seen sort of real evidence of that? Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, what we've noticed, especially with 
say the most powerful, well, some of the most powerful hotel chains here in Spain, like Iberostar and Melia, these are chains that are really working on making every single sector area of the island just be built up. If it's going to be any hotels for it to be luxury, there's certain areas on this island that were branded as like, say, trashy areas, but already there's plans to eradicate these areas. There's already a lot of investment from powerful companies. Also, um, the owner of Zara, Mancio Ortega, has a lot of plans on this island to make, you know, to make the infrastructure even more luxurious. And we also note that this island is not no longer an island where you have this really hard summer tourism and then in the winter it's dead you have you know luxury boutique restaurants um hotels that are open year round people you know everything that's being constructed now or anything new is always focusing on the on the more luxurious side and all the kind of mass tourism even like big cheap cheap tourism package holidays things are becoming less and less yeah and the just becoming more and more luxurious and like I said a lot of the responsibility comes from the big companies the big hotel chains um businessmen that the the richest businessmen in Spain that are taking a lot of interest in building this island up that way and getting rid of that kind of other side you got it and a fabulous capital city right somebody described it to me a couple of years ago I think as a as a Barcelona, which I thought was a one, which is just the most awesome city, but Palma really is, Palma, I'm sorry, really is, it, again, it's kind of got a bit of a following, again, which I guess helps keep all your, your, your round interest going, which, as you say, has helped all contribute towards the top end of the market, right? Absolutely. I mean, Palma is, it's a, it's a city that now has it all. It has, you know, restaurants that are, that are on the, within the top 100 in the world. It has you know, Michelin star hotels, restaurants, so many luxurious things that are coming all the time and making these lists and having these incredible ratings that are open year round. More and more people that used to have holiday homes are coming to live here permanently because you have that life the whole year round and you don't have, like I said, this thing where you come to Mallorca and you think, oh, in the summer you have all this or everything going on and in the winter there's nothing, but you have everything you need here palma is like a fully functioning um busy city, Fabulous city. yeah now yeah. we've noticed especially in the last five years it's really changed into its real own lively functioning city with a lot of important offices companies making their bases here having offices here so it, it does it has made a huge difference it is a beautiful island i mean it's the, the geography of the island is one of the nicest in the mediterranean right i mean it really is an awesome place so so having all year round that's quite interesting how perhaps that has changed from perhaps it was just a summer destination before yeah and come to ibiza and are we seeing the same thing or is it still just those intense period of time what about the top end of the real estate market? How did again do you think that's probably changed over, say, the last 12 months? Again, let's just avoid the COVID work for a moment. Yeah. We'll come to that. But just say over the last you know, 12 months or, or, or five years before, how has the, the top end of the real estate market adapted to, of course, the party island of the world, really? But give us a flavour of that. Sure, absolutely. Um, a bit like Montana was saying in Mallorca, um, Ibiza really has not had a, a non-stop uh, of the investment coming to the island. Um, it's, it's almost a, a recession-proof 
uh, location within within Spain, not off land of lyrics, of course. Um, yeah, we just have non-stop investment on property, uh, lots of great new um, hotels popping up all over the island. And that's also moved not so much down in the south, southern part of the island, all the way up to the north, which previously was a little bit more of that, the rural rustic part of the islands. There's a lot of growth that's been going on over the last five years, and that hasn't really slowed down um, when the rest of mainland Spain has obviously been in difficult times. There's a great influx of uh, tourism that, again, just comes from the, really the luxury under the market. Um, and, yeah, not, not really much slowdown of that, of that whatsoever. So a lot of ongoing growth um, and a lot of positive developments probably across the island. And again, good accessibility. You're seeing more. Again, I understand what's gone over the last 12 months, but it's going to yeah. be gone soon. But but more accessibility of of different parts of the world coming to the island. It's the island's Peter's well, wish for people to come, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we've uh, we've always had a, a, a core um, influx from Europe, but we're really branching out now, and the, the American market's really getting a lot of interest into uh, into uh, the islands, uh, the Asian markets, Far East, and uh, yeah, just the diversity and, and uh, different groups that are coming over is, is just growing and growing as the islands uh, becomes. And, 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 and I've got to say, it, it is the party island, right? So it, it is. And that's an important point because it is a party that Ibiza is where you go. So there's people coming from the US and those sort of things. Sure, the beaches are amazing. Some yeah. of those beaches down to Formentera, uh, the Caribbean, right? I mean, it really is unbelievably yeah. beautiful. Beaches. So you've but got a physical job visit. But, but again, it's that sort of what Ibiza is offering, right? It's bringing people yeah. back. It is a good point, Charlie, because everyone everyone knows Ibiza as the party island. And a bit a bit different to Mallorca. We we were very much a, a summer market previously, but what we've seen happen over the recent years is the season's really grown and grown, and we have a, a very strong well-being and healthy side of the island now. Which summers are starting as early as as uh, April. A lot of the good business and going beyond October right. into November because we have a lot of the yoga retreats, fitness retreats, and, and a lot of those really positive natural lessons they are coming into the businesses that are starting up and people wanting to use it uh, when they're coming on a tourism and holiday basis, the either side of that, those normal peak summer months. So yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's certainly changing. And it's, it's actually, of course, the business as well, because there's more business, more, uh, more activity yeah. on the islands. And, and as I mentioned before, there was a lot of focus on the southern part of the island, but with, with that interest in the, the, the healthy, more natural side, the, the, the investment is going up and across the island to the north. We're getting some of the most stunning properties uh, popping up all, all, over the, all over the island, that, that side, of course. Fabulous. We'll talk a bit more about the real estate when it comes. Just, and, and I know because we've operated in Andalusia, you know, we're seeing very much the similar thing in Marbella. Marbella has had a following, you know, strong overseas following since gosh the, probably the 60s really with people going there it enjoys a wonderful little microclimate which you know it could be raining in 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 malaga and it could be raining in gibraltar but it's it's sunny in marbella you know it's had that that sort of one we're seeing the same sort of pattern we've had some recent very good sales and we'll come on to one we're doing in marbella as well but but again it sort of seems to be the pattern that spain is 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 a destination people are going to We've done sales in Barcelona region as well. In Catalonia, of course, that was the disquiet about all of its independence and all of those other things, which I guess those things, do they ever go away? I don't know. But but it can be more rife at certain times, which I, I know has caused a bit of a bump in the road in the market in, in, in Barcelona. But it seems that those hotspots, Marbella going up to Barcelona, 
We haven't operated in Madrid, but I know the Madrid market is is coming back and be reasonably strong. Boy, would we like to. We get a lot of interest and inquiries from potential buyers into Madrid. But but I know it sort of seems to be a pattern for the destinations of Spain, the top end of the market destinations in Spain, which is really good and encouraging to hear. So let's just talk a little bit, if we could, just about um, the, the, the real estate brokerage industry. So just again, Alex, I'll just come back to you for a moment. Is it like yeah. all of these markets that, that Ibiza is 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 awash with real estate brokers? I mean, I know you have to be licensed in Spain and it's a much more professional operation than in some of the EMEM markets we operate in. But 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 the industry in 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 Ibiza, just tell us a little bit how it works. I'm a buyer, do I select an agent? Do I have to go to lots of agents? Do you cooperate with each other? How does it work? Well, yeah, I mean. Ideally, the ideal situation is that I select their agent and then they manage the whole process from start to finish completely hands-on. Um, but, but this day and age, buyers are talking to more, more agents. So there's a handful of agents that will then be working on their part of getting a full selection of the properties across the island. But there's a lot of collaboration uh, across the island with the agencies, uh, some better than others. And of course, you know, over the years, work out, I've been out eight, eight years now, and I know the agents that I know trust work with the same level of professionals and integrity as I do. So you know who you work, you like to work with on, a, on an agency basis. But um, yeah, there's, there's, there's many ways you can work with your clients, but generally the preferred way, of course, is to do through hands-on and work on an exclusive basis. So it's obviously at the client's discretion. And I have a, mix, I have a kind of a mixed bag. I have some company on an exclusive basis and some I know that I'm talking to maybe three or, three, three or four other agencies. And, and does, does the, 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 that service you provide to a buyer is, Essentially free, or do you charge? How do you how do you how do you work that? Yeah, no. I mean, the service I provide is, is there's no additional charge for it. Um, we, we pride ourselves on a very bespoke hands-on service, attention to detail for the clients' needs and their requirements. Um, but no, the, the, the price is uh, the sales price when we close a deal is, is always included within the sale of the property. So there's no additional cost for us, um, and we've grown our business really largely organically through recommendations. Uh, word of mouth. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Being a good agent, right? Well, pretty much, yeah, exactly, Charlie. Yeah. And um, Montana, same, same, same deal in Mallorca, same, same sort of setup, lots of agents, I suspect. Yeah, I definitely second that. I mean, um, in Mallorca, it's really similar. You know, you people say that in Mallorca, agents are like models in LA like everyone's an agent um there's so many agencies an expression um, yeah exactly but I mean in the end the most important thing is to have a buyer because over here the it doesn't work like for example in the US or in the states where if you want to sell a property you give it to one agent and if someone wants to buy that house then they just have to go via one agent and that's it here, a lot of agencies have all the properties. So really what you all fight for is the buyer, because if you can gain the confidence and the trust of the buyer, then you can guarantee that you can get them absolutely anything that's on the market for sale. You can do it either. If you don't have it direct, then you collaborate with another agent. So this really, you know, the main focus is always, can you get your buyer to stick to you once they're with you? Because it's so tempting for buyers to go with so many agents because they fear that maybe they're going to miss out on something or can someone yeah. give me a deal or usually 
I mean, we work in the same way in the sense that we do not charge us a service fee for our buyers. You know, whenever we earn, it's from our commission from the seller. So also, I think this sometimes is a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing because this is a way in which buyers do go with a lot of agents because if they had to pay you for a service fee, perhaps they would just stick with you and then not look elsewhere. So this is also temptation for buyers to look anywhere because they never tie down to anybody. So that's why it's really important to gain the trust of your buyers. And then most of the time they will stick with you and and they would rather have you as their communication point and not have to speak to 20 agents. And you say, listen, yeah, you say, look, if you want to see the property that's part of that agency, then I can you can arrange it all for them. So basically, they still only have one point of contact. That is always the aim. But it's it's quite difficult to get clients to stick to one agent uh-huh. because there's so uh, many. Because there's so many, I bet. And we're just going to touch on that as well in a moment, because I want to just try and give away a few takeaways for both buyers and sellers when when dealing in the market. So I'll come to it. But really quickly, I'm so pleased also to say that um Sergey has has joined us. Can you hear us? Okay, Sergey. Now we had a slight sort of communication issues when you came in. Ah, oh, you're just on mute. I think you're on mute, Sergey. Yeah. Yes, I can hear you. And hello, everyone. I'm glad that I finally was able to join. And unfortunately, I missed the beginning of the conversation. So yeah. no I hope I will. Uh, we're thrilled to have you. Just give us a very quick introduction because the more knowledge we can get on these calls, the better. It has a good following and we, we we like to get a few sort of snippets of good quality advice to people. So just give us a brief introduction, Sergey, if you would. All right. My name is Sergey, as you just said, and uh, I'm the age, an agent from Imperial Properties, which is a real estate agency that has been working here in Mallorca Southwest for many years. I've been in the, in the company uh, since nine years, I guess, quite a long time. And, uh, and now the reason I'm, I'm here is because not long ago we started to collaborate with Concierge and we had a successful auction done in October. And uh, now we're in the second project of our mutual project, which is uh, Sonseralta, uh, the very impressive uh, Finca. Uh, in the in the middle, which Mitch, I, I believe, already might have told about. We're, so, we're going to come on to that in, in a little bit, which would be great. So we're definitely going to get a moment to talk about that because I think people would, would want to know the things that we're that we're working on. We're dealing in one of the most important markets we operate in. Different countries, I can't stress it enough. Spain is one of the most important markets we operate in. So, so we're we're we have a good following. So we're keen to learn more about the individual opportunities. But just to keep the sort of chat going for a moment, just to try and give a bit of wisdom for the people, goodness knows how many years of, of experience we've got on this call. But let's try and impart a little bit of that. And so I'm going to throw you right into it. Just for luxury, we're talking about the upper end of the market. But for sellers and buyers, if I were to say to you, what's the one bit of advice you could give a seller? And what's the one bit of advice that you'd give a buyer in the top end of the market? What would you say are those, those sort of your, your, your most important bits? You've got the elevator pitch. You've got, you know, 20 seconds to deliver one valuable piece of advice to a buyer and a seller. What would you say? Well, if you would ask the same question, let's say, one year ago or before pandemic, maybe I would say different. But the market, especially upper side of the market, has 
uh, boomed since last summer. And now my only advice for the, for the buyers will be, if you see something that you like, buy it. It's incredible how the market is operating, how we see it since last July, August. It was very strong uh, immediately after the lift of the uh, restrictions. And, you know, the amount of, of the buyers coming here, I'll, I'll just, give, just give you one example. For example, the, um, the number of private jets that arrived in July, August, in that period of time, raising 33% in Palma Airport. Wow. People were waiting to come and to buy. And in general, for example, the, the market in Balearic Islands in 2020 went down around, with a number of transactions, went down around 27%, while the transaction value was down 12%. It means that that difference is compensated by upper market. So less transactions, but volume, but the, the money they're paying, the price is, is high. So if you're in the upper market, if you're a billionaire, if you want to buy some uh, a special property, whether it could be frontline, whether it be an enormous mainland or, or something similar. If you see something that was on the market for years and couldn't sell, now it is sold. You know, it's all about to be Fantastic. sold. Fantastic. Yeah. Go for it and buy it. I like that. We definitely like that bit of advice. And, you know, we've seen that. We've, we've done block talks recently for the East Coast of the US and the West Coast of the US. And, you know, exactly the same was said. You know, if you see a piece of real estate, action it, right? You know, take advantage of low mortgage interest rates or whatever is there. But and I don't know whether COVID has perhaps made us all think a little bit more of the preciousness of life. I don't know without sounding too sort of sickly. But, you know, there was something going on there that 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 is making people act. So it's funny that this is seeing around the world. And And for sellers, what about for sellers? One bit of advice? Well, for the sellers... Uh, not sure what how to use it. I would, of course, uh, advise to go uh, for the platform on concierge, which is very effective. <laughs> uh, but a part of that, uh, I would say that uh, they are finally at the market which can provide the buyers for them. So maybe if they are feel desperate to, to, to sell properties, well, maybe it's not long to wait and no, no sense to go down with the price in the search of, you know, someone who were almost there with the budget. It will come. Mm. Price reductions. Um, uh, Alex, just come to you. I, I've got a, a pretty strong view on price reductions, but I've been in real estate for 30 years, and it always strikes me as 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 an odd thing to do, that you know, you could, as a seller, whatever the market, that you get professional advice. Sometimes we know it's wrong, but you get professional advice that, tells you the price is X and nothing happens, and so which is fundamentally a guess, right? You're trying to guess what somebody is going to pay for a piece of real estate. If that guess is wrong, it would seem to me to be a strange um, uh, idea to then have another guess, you know, at a, at a lower number than you were, were before. I said I might say something controversial, and I might get drummed out of the property brownies for saying something like that, but... Alex, just just to you again, just what do you think? Well, I'd be interested to see what you say about price reductions. But what would be your 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 tip for a buyer and a seller? Well, I mean, we are seeing 
We are seeing some um, interesting price reduction on the island. I mean, there is a lot of buyers coming on the island, particularly to Ibiza because of the kings of the century right now, my safe haven from COVID. But we are seeing some price reductions. We, we are we have a lot of the owners on this island set the prices um, sometimes a little higher than they should, to maybe put it politely. So um, yeah, it's it's something that we are we, we're dealing with by. Uh, special consumer auctions bring enough, uh, uh, enough buyers to the table to then see what offers are coming in. Uh, but at, at the moment, I'd say we're seeing some price houses coming down by five to fifteen percent sometimes. So there are there are range there are raising reductions, but the, the challenges with the owners is getting their, their properties at as everywhere realistic prices. Um, so and it's, it's it's always a challenge to set those, expect, those realistic expectations. But a lot of the agents. That will come in and obviously promise those very high prices to, to the sellers, and they'll obviously latch on to those prices and fix them fix them in at those. So yeah, it's sometimes a bit of a battle to get the owners down to what is the realistic price for their property. Base it on the square meters. Yeah, you look at price, you look at the square meters with that within those regions, and you can get a better idea of what that property is actually worth per square meter. Uh, but yeah, it's often getting the, uh, the realistic expectation from the owners. Yeah, and we and we know we know we know well not all square meters are, are equal, but I, I guess what you mean when it's completely out of kilter and we can't legislate against those extraordinary, you know, pricing. And we do see that, right? This extraordinary yeah. price that goes out there that yeah. some yeah. might be flying a kite. I suppose that my my point about price reductions is is it, and it's not a segue into concierge, but it but it is in a way that if it were mine and I wasn't getting any traction. And I was on the market at two million euros. I, I, I might say to you, Alex, listen, I know we've had a go at two million. We didn't get anywhere. And yeah. now go to your address book and find me everybody that you've got with a million upwards. I'm not obliged to accept that, that offer. Right. But I want you to get some people through the door because I need to get some feedback on pricing. Right. So just you've got my permission to phone everybody up, bring them over. And let's see if we can create a market, which is, of course, yeah. I know, you know what concierge does. By getting in and you know putting forward their irrevocable starting bids, and then you know we get a we get a momentum. It wasn't a, it wasn't a plug for that for, for us. I was talking about you know that that how it is. But what about for buyers? So I've just arrived on the island. I'm keen. I've got euros in my pocket. What's what's your what's your best bit of advice? Best bit of advice, um, really, for the island is I mean, it's a bit of a it's an interesting island for a few reasons, but. Check out the legalities on the property because lots of things do change. Owners always promise things are in order, things are in place. Often the buyers leave it to the last possible minute. And when you're getting to due diligence points, a lot of effort, a lot of hard work, a lot of love and emotional attachment goes into the buyer's side to them and have it kind of pulled away from them because the paperwork is in order. There's a lot of things that were added that shouldn't be there. So get onto the legals nice and early with your, your legal team so you know exactly where you stand so you get your pricing right and, and make the offer at what is the correct what should be the correct price for that property? And, um, and actually, yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, checking the legalities of it. And, yeah. and to you, similar, similar sort of uh, understanding of, of advice for, for for a buyer and a seller. What's your what's your ten second answer for a buyer and to a seller? I'm a seller. I've been in your office. What's the best bit of advice you can impart? Um, to be honest, I think it's really important to educate our sellers about a price and the worst thing to do which is what ha what's happening now is massive market inflation agents telling sellers that their house is worth more than it is maybe as a strategy to try and get their property exclusively 
or as a strategy to so they like them and they think oh wow and I think it's really important that the first price that a seller is told is key um, because as soon as you hear a number if your property's worth three million but someone comes in and the first number you hear is five then people think it's worth five and then two years later they come and say why is my house not sold and someone says three then they say well how on earth is that possible if someone told me five so um we have to educate our sellers basically give them a realistic price of course always advise them to put the market price to leave some room for negotiation because people never pay what's marked on the label this is never going to happen people love to negotiate down okay but even in a hot market right you've still got people wanting to or expecting to be able to to, to get a discount absolutely absolutely and here in spain um you you always people the first thing a seller asks to you is how much can i get it for so you send them a property okay it's fun for four million if they're interested one of their golden questions is how much do you think they'll sell it for? They're always keen to know what deal can I get? And and people really like this. And you know, it's crazy because in a luxury market where, you know, someone has 4 million to spend then probably 4.5 is not going to make a huge difference. But usually our buyers love to negotiate down to the last euro. And even if they can get a little bit extra, I think because a lot of people that are investing this level of money are, our business people that really know exactly where all their money's going. So also buyers are very smart, usually, especially in the luxury sector. So a seller, for example, can't try and tell you that their house is worth X amount of millions if the qualities don't reflect it. So this is something you need to always yeah. educate your sellers we're, on. We're certainly more knowledgeable about our living environment. I'd absolutely agree with you on that, you know, compared to 10, 15 years ago. You know, there's a lot more interest in design and quality and all these other things so i'll paraphrase the first bit for so for a seller it's really getting good advice right absolutely get that so speak to the right agent get good advice to a buyer i've just walked into your office what's the what's the one bit of good advice you're going to give me as a buyer um i would go back to what everyone else has said if you are looking to buy now the market is moving quicker than ever. So if you see something you like and we tell you, listen, there's three people that are looking at this and are interested to not turn around and say, oh, I don't believe it. It's not true because it really is on every property we're calling. And like I mentioned before, a lot of agents have the same property. So all agents are bringing buyers to these properties. So if you are interested, then really make an offer and get moving because all the good properties are being sold like really quickly good now stuff. with this market. I got it. Yeah, interesting. So we're just gonna I just want to get to talk about some of the opportunities we've got because we definitely I know people will be interested in hearing some of these things. Just just one final question before we get to the individuals. And I'm gonna use the word now. Um with the COVID situation behind us, as difficult as it was for people around the world, but but as the world comes out of the COVID nineteen pandemic, what would your and Montana, I've got you, so I'm going to put you right on the spot. What would your options be for pricing and demand, say, over the course of the next 12, 18, 24 months? I mean, demand is ever increasing. You know, many people want to at least have a second home, if not changing their permanent residence. We've noticed that many people that, for example, before like to stay in hotels and things and now preferring to buy a home so they know their family has 
a safe point and also a meeting point and also a place where they know, look, if we go into another lockdown, we've got a plan B. We've got somewhere we can put our family. We've got somewhere that if we need to work from home, we've got a home office. Um, we're really finding this as something that's, that's happening. A lot of buyers are wanting to buy a home now instead of staying in hotels. We've also got people that have second homes that are coming in stay they've stayed for a few months then they've said okay I'm going to put my children into school and stay here year round the demand is ever ever increasing and I think COVID has only made people realize more when they're stuck in their countries and can't move and even can't go to their offices and in their houses where the weather's a bit more miserable or anything they think gosh what would we do to have a place now in the sun where we could even if we have to work from home we can do it in the sunshine and in a good healthy environment and also take their families there, put their children into schools. People are people are forced to make decisions that maybe before they wouldn't have been able to make. Yeah, it's as a well good observation. Them. Yeah, really good observation how that might change them. And and just between you and me, there's only a couple of thousand people listening. But but what do you say over the next twelve months? Well, give me a real number. I won't hold you to it, but give me a real number. Do you think the market will be up by single digit points, double digit points? Um, I mean, I think really putting on the spot, I know, but easily double in the next this year. Last year, for example, was the strongest year for many real estate brokers. This year is looking like it's going to be just as strong, if not stronger. So, I do not see how this could affect it in a negative way. Speaking primarily, yeah, um, Sergey, to you, same same question, Sergey, would would you know, after the pandemic, what was what's your predictions, let's say, over the course of the next 12 months post the world of COVID, that's going to go with demand and pricing? You'd say the same or you know, slightly different opinion? Oh, well, I, I agree with Montana. The uh, the demand will be as far as we can see uh, how it's developing in 2021 so far. It's going to be growing. Yeah, this this difficult to... Uh, to think that the money can go down, you know, it's it's just impossible when when the demand is that strong as as we can see it now. Then, as far as I know, the Euribor uh, key rate is planned to be kept at these levels for much longer than 12 months. It means easing of the loans in the banks, so it also will you know facilitate uh, for the buyers to to go and to buy to take loans to to close deals. And then another thing that we speak about, particularly Mallorca, Mallorca is changing itself. There's a lot of money in, uh, invested by uh, both private and public sector into improving of the infrastructure. Mallorca is moving to more sustainable you know, projects. It, it's forbidden to use uh, single plastic, single-use plastic, for example, in March. Uh, we are moving to uh, electric cars in, in several years. It will be forbidden to buy a car which is not electric. So then Mallorca is turning this tourism into high-quality tourism. So all this will attract high-end buyers, high yeah. upper end. We've got, yeah. And, and so we're going to see double-digit growth again, you think, over the course of the next 12 months? It's difficult to say about double-digit and single-digit. I think it will be growing. It will be quite, we will notice it quite a good growth but whether it will be double digit number i'm not sure 
It's a, you should be a politician, so that's an excellent answer. Um, and it, but just really quickly, if, if say somebody is eligible, right? You know, with wealth, I want to borrow 50% loan to value. Where, where are the mortgage rates? Are they? Uh, uh, what, what's the sort of typical mortgage rate at the moment? What could you borrow the money for over 10 years? Well, I, as far as I know, if you take money here, the mortgages here in, in, in Spain, you're a foreigner. So the, the, the rates are some, somewhere around uh, 2.5%. I might be a little wrong, you know, for, for a fixed rate. And, uh, or maybe it's even lower uh, now. But it's, for, for Spanish environment, it's quite a good deal. You know, it's, it's fabulous, quite, isn't it? But, and, and why not take advantage of it, leverage a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the time to do it. The environment is really right for all of those reasons. And, and Alex, thanks again. And Alex, Ibiza, would you say it's very different from it? Supply and demand imbalance is still going to push the prices up? Yeah, I mean, I think the prices, we're seeing a huge, as, as everyone else has said on the panel already, we're seeing a huge surge on right now. And again, it's coming largely or partly back to the COVID situation that we're seeing a big influx of buyers come to the R and a huge, huge increase in inquiries. Um, trying to get agents to the houses. The open house is extremely busy on, on client viewings. People are getting here, finding ways to get beyond despite some of the travel restrictions. But yeah, we are definitely seeing a lot of increase again at the luxury end. So yeah, we, I do see us pushing up in si single digits into double digits in the next, next few years, really. So yeah, I definitely can see it happening. Fantastic. Lots of Thanks. I mean, an interesting take on the market. It sounds so very similar to many markets around the world. I know. I know there's many soft markets, but it's amazing how the world of COVID, we had our, certainly the, in the EMEA region, which I'm responsible, we had the best year, fifth year that we've ever had at Concierge last year. You know, lots of people buying, of course, people were buying through our sight unseen anyway. So the, the COVID situation didn't seem to negatively affect us. I'm sorry, on a business point of view, of course, I'm talking, it's difficult for many people what happened, but on a, on a business point of view, it certainly seems that the environment was echoing so much that you say that you know, now's the time to buy and move on. Um, let's just now just have a quick look, if we if we can, about some of the opportunities. Mitch and Adam, much for your patience there sitting and listening. But let's just give, give you a moment just to talk about some of the things that we've got coming to the block, because um, we've got some crackers. Um, if we just start the La Sequia um, uh, property, I know. Um, but Mitch, just give, us the, just give us the sort of quick um, elevator pitch on that property, its its merits and, and just the sort of facts. Uh, again, it's a no reserve sale. It was listed, I think, at six million euros or just under and bidding opens in a, in a few days, I believe. Correct. Yeah. So so we've got this property in La Cerquilla in Marbella and the auction is May 13th uh, till May 18th. Uh, the property is listed at 5.95. Um, right now, it's you know it's uh, it's going to be auctioning in the next couple of days with no reserve. Uh, so that means that it'll be selling to the highest bidder, regardless of price. Phenomenal opportunity, frontline golf course. Um, you know, to Los Naranjos Golf Course, uh, six bedroom, six bath. Uh, you know, it's been recently remodeled. Beautiful property. Um, you know, plot size of 4,200 square meters. You got lots of space. 725 square meters uh, of construction uh, and as you can see beautiful property so you know it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of days but the opportunity is absolutely there 
and with one of the most fabulous views. I love that views from the pool going down because the topography, the way the ground sort of drops away down the golf course. I mean, I guess you've got to like golf, but but the view is pretty awesome, right? That's right. And the location, you know, you've, you've got uh, Puerto Banús about five minutes away. You've got Marbella, you know, within a 10 minute drive. So it's really, really a uh, good location as well. And that's a traditional architecture, um, which I do personally like a lot, but I'm also very keen on the contemporary architecture. So Montana, the next one, just to talk about just for a minute, the Villa Sunset in Mallorca. Just give us a quick sort of headline on 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 that, on that extraordinary look of contemporary architecture. Absolutely. It is certainly contemporary. Um, oceanfront villa. It's, I mean... The views of this property are absolutely unbeatable. I mean, besides having all the bedrooms that you need, four bedrooms, four bathrooms, all with stunning sea views, you have an extensive living areas, both outside and inside, but you have this stunning infinity pool that's looking out to infinite sea views. And also on a night, you can see the whole Bay of Palma, um, that's all completely lit up. I mean, the views of this property are the number one selling point. If you want to have a home in Mallorca, I mean, you want to see these views every day. It's just unbelievable. On a sunny day, on a rainy day, a stormy day, any day, it's just absolutely stunning. Um, and the architecture, you know, new construction in 2016, it's in pristine conditions, um, very minimalistic style. So you can tailor it to your own taste very good qualities natural materials used from the island um but the views are just absolutely unbeatable they are quite something on it and then bidding closes next week i think we've got a reserve of 3.75 million euros um exactly so so, so the reserve yeah 3.75 million bidding opens on the 13th of may ending on the 20th of may so yeah we're launching this thursday and um yeah, it's going to be very exciting. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Montana. Um, Adam, just over working with Alex, of course, but uh, you, the, the, the latest uh, villa in Ibiza, I mean, it's got some special merits, this one too, right? It's got something with the licensing, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, as you know, Alex and I worked together last uh, year on a very different style, older, traditional uh, two villas. And uh, to be invited to this one, bear in mind that we are or two minutes walk down to the beach from the property in Cat Martinet, which is possibly one of the most sought after areas, five minutes from town. But the thing about this, not only the views outstanding, it's it's a five-year-old property in immaculate condition. It has a seven-bedroom touristic license. So for a market in Ibiza, the maximums that would be five or six, we're now at seven. There are only three on the whole island. The rent demand for this property is making it not only an exciting property to purchase to live in, but as, a, as a, a future asset on rental value is actually outstanding on its return. So it, it's been, I mean, it's been a phenomenal trip um, in terms of the amount of footfall through the, the building in the last three weeks has been outstanding. And I think we'll, we'll have a very exciting auction. I, I was, I was going to ask you that, Adam, just to, just to give a sort of idea of, I talked earlier about, you know, us delivering market price and we've still got a time to go on this one, but you've been on the ground yeah. for three weeks. How many inquiries do you think you've had? Uh, well, we've done 115 viewings, um, of which 55 are buyers. So we've seen a dynamic here that I've never seen in, in my time concierge where an agent representation has been very strong, but 
the amount of buyers who've heard about this through the network, and this goes back to the database and the outreach that Alex did and, the, and we do collectively, has, it really has opened up the market for, for the first time. And having buyers through, the agents knew the process last time, we explained it, but now obviously having them through as well. And the agents seeing those buyers there galvanizes the agents to work harder. Uh, but it's been a, a, a phenomenal um, experience to, to, to go through this you know, over the first three weeks. Fantastic. It's good to hear. I mean, I, I, you know, it's a reflection. Game we talk about it, but that's the that's the embodiment of really what we say, isn't it? You, we create 100%. the embodiment. You've got the urgency. It's going to be sold on that day. It certainly reflects, it seems, everything that both Sergey and, and Montel and Alex have said about the market. Sure, there's an Ibiza, but, but, but in the Balearic market, which seems to be a huge amount of demand, we've got people that want to have these opportunities. And, and that's the embodiment of it for the, how busy you've both been, I think. I think that just, I mean, I'll, I'll listen to the panel. I mean, what's, what's very good for us as, as, as an auction house is to hear positive but honest advice on, on the market and for the future market. Because obviously we're seeing now what what's, what we're experiencing, uh, and I, you know, but we hope that that continues. But it is a great medium uh, to, to, to you know, that platform is is working well here. In fact, and you know, Adam, you and I have worked in many markets, and you know, London probably mainly, but many of the same things, right? Of those sort of over expectation on value. And one, as I say, one can't legislate for that, but 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 certainly it's it's conversely in a hot market. That, that I might put my property on for two million euros. And the first person that walks through the door says, great, I'll give you two million euros. You know, wow, hang on, how do I feel about that? Have I got the right advice? Is that actually correct? Should I have done that? And, you, you know, again, having the right agent, whether it's the auction or we're having the right agent to say, listen, this is what we're doing. Perhaps we should use guide prices. Perhaps we should use ranges. Perhaps we should have the auction solution because you need to have the market proved as a happy seller. So, so you know and you're comfortable you know, when you finish with your asset, then, then, then you're done and you've got the market price. So it's a, it's a good shout. Um, so those are, are all very beautiful, and um, but rather more um, elegant, dare I say it. Um, Mitch, over to the Sonseralta, which looks just beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, this is a very exciting opportunity that we have here in Mallorca. And we just launched last week. Um, the, you know, previous list price of 26.5 million. Um, it is a no reserve auction, uh, that's going to be taking place on June 9th to the 16th. And, uh, I can actually pass it over to, to Sergey to tell us a little bit more about, about the details. Please. That would be great. Thank you, Miss. Thank you, Charlie. <clears throat> well, it's, uh, to me, it's a really honor to be able to, uh, to sell this property because it's, I can say it's unique. There's not many chances on the market to purchase a property of such magnitude that actually that the owners would allow to go this property out of the family, right? So normally it continues in staying with the family. Or if they decide to sell at some point, they would do uh, they would do so to someone they know. So we have a unique opportunity to put it to the global market, and you know it's it's not only property; it's a piece of history of Spain of Mallorca. It's a piece of architecture. It's just impressive, and the 
the nature around, which, which is your nature, your mountain, your valley, with all the trees, the views are that dramatic when you step in into the loggia, into the property. For well, my first experience was, I just wanted to stand or sit down and watch as if I were in the, in the theater, because it's so dramatic, you know, it's incredible. And it's a very big property. It's all the houses itself, it's 2,640 square meters. And one thing to, to also to mention, Properties of this age and this side on Mallorca normally needs work, have some legal issues or something. The educated buyers would know that. And we had recently on the, on the market, on the island, quite a lot educated uh, buyers that do understand it and they had problems with that. They were purchasing something and then found out in the middle of the process that it has big issues, right? In this case, the owners of the property, they are very detailed and very organized people, and they did make sure that everything is legal. It's also a unique situation for for Mallorca especially, and of this age. Of the and it's got, it's, it's got some, so that I know that you had said that the main villa is obviously beautifully presented, but then it's got additional outbuildings that have got other development potential, maybe, maybe sort of... Um, sort of boutique hotel potential or something of that sort of order? Yes, you're quite right. The, of course, the, the owners never had studied this uh, opportunity because they didn't need to, didn't have a need to create a hotel. But on our request, they did a study and uh, we got a report from the uh, local architect who found out that it's possible to make an agro-tourism hotel in, out of this property so you can either convert those units that you just mentioned, which is separately from the building. They're around three or 400 meters away on, on your lands, obviously. So you can uh, use them. It's like a black canvas, white canvas, sorry. So you can uh, convert it either into the several rooms for the boutique hotel, or you can uh, make stables, you can make studio workshops, whatever. It's a, a, part, of, so a part of the property itself, you have an additional thing that, you know, units that you can play with. You can make a concert hall there if you wish. Fantastic. And I know, Sergei, it was, it was uh, one of our first forays into the into the European market um, was, was a finger that we sold, inland finger that we sold uh, successfully, probably now 2016, I suspect, maybe 2017, uh, which was in Pushpunyen, which, you know, yes, it's inland, but it's in that, southwest corner it's very very sought after but a very smart one of the best hotels on the island i think is is in the village so it's a kind of you know it's a very high location even though it's not seafront it's still a very high location right yes that that's absolutely right that that property was also it's basically not far from from son Serralta, that okay. the one that you mentioned is very close and uh, the location which is west of southwest of the island allows you to reach several coasts and ports very easily and fast. So if you have your boat in Puerto Portals on Club de Mar in Palma, it will take you maybe 20 minutes to go from your boat to San Serralta. And so the location is very, uh, is very comfortable. And in the same way, you can reach airport within 20 minutes, 25 maybe maximum. So 
uh, and go to any city of Europe fast. Every day there's plenty of uh, of uh, flights between the main cities of Europe and, and Mallorca. So fantastic. You are close to the city, but you're in, inside of the nature, surrounded by trees, birds, animals, you know. Yes, yes, please, is the answer to that. Um, and Mitch, just, just remind us um, to take advantage of the starting bid incentive so you can half your bar premium. Have I got a registered fart bar? Uh, yeah, so in order to receive that 6%, um, the deadline is June 8th. So we still got plenty of time, uh, you know, to come check out the property and to get registered uh, for this amazing opportunity. Fantastic. Um, just in the interest of time, thank you all so much. I could I could talk to you all for a long time to come. I know you're all very busy, so thank you for finding the time. But for now, thanks very much for joining Block Talk 21.